This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Ready for a more successful and fulfilled life? It is time for Real Answers, a transformational hour with Dr. Kate Siner, live broadcasting to the 50 states and internationally. Dare to go deep. Change yourself. Change with world. Hello, uh, this is Kate Siner, and this is Real Answers. And this week, we're going to be talking about compassionate communication um, and specifically um, how we learn the art or how we apply the art of, uh, of compassionate communication during difficult times. So what is it that helps us to maintain um, our our clarity and our um, our uh, apply our skills so that we're able to navigate difficult things. And uh, so, why? I mean, there's a lot. I, I spent a lot of time actually working on the um, learning how to say things in a way that they could be best received. And um, I want to say a little something before we get into this, because what I think is, is the most important part in our communication is our intention. And um, when we come from a place of having a really clear intention and a desire to do the right thing, um, that goes a really long way. In any kind of communication style or, or skill, um, without that good intention is not really going to be that effective. And sometimes we can even say things less carefully, um, but with really good intention and, um, wind up getting our point across. So the first thing that I think is really important in this compassionate communication is that we get ourselves to that place where we're clear, right? Um, so it's a, what kind of work do you need to do in the situation in order to be able to perceive it from a broad enough viewpoint where you can then really begin to communicate without it being super loaded, and look at the difference between loaded communication and um, communication that's more um, uh, facilitative, right? So, I mean, in, in a loaded uh, conversation, that's where you might be placing blame. You always do that. You know, when you, when you, um, every time that you do this, you make me so angry, you know, um, I uh, clearly you don't care at all, right? There's like, there's a lot that's implied in that versus um, something that is much clearer and a clear statement might be that, you know, um, 
when you do this behavior versus every time, right? When you, um, and then it's, this is kind of the simple formula, right? I feel, I feel, um, and then a request, right? Can go on that as well. But that's really just the starter of the conversation. If you think about it, because chances are, that the person is going to respond back to you even if you say it in the clearest possible way, right? So the person's going to respond back to you and um, you are are going to need to then be able to take the next step, right? And, and continue to communicate with your... Um, with your person in the in the best way possible, and that's where things start to get really tricky. Because even if you ask something in the nicest possible way, it's very possible that your uh, the person who's receiving it is still going to have a reaction to it. You're saying something that is challenging the way that they do things, the way they feel things, the way that they perceive the world. Um, it might just be that it. it they feel it's pointing out a, a flaw or something like that, right? So it doesn't, one of the things that happens is people will get offended. They'll say, well, but I, I used the, like the right language and I didn't blame and I had good intentions and so-and-so still got angry at me and still said these things and then, you know, I lost it and so on. But that's because that that is going, you know, it's best to assume, not in a reactive way, but in an actual supportive way, it's best to assume that um, uh, the person is going to have a reaction, right? Um, in, in the sense that it's like put it on put it on the spectrum of possibilities. This could be anything from easy to take care of to um, uh, a big deal for this person. And so I'm open to however they respond. So the underneath part of it is right clear, being clear in where you are and then being open to um, their response. And also adding to that is um, clarity, right? Um, so uh, what was I going to say? So you're opening up, you're opening up to um, anything that might happen. And, and then you're, it wasn't clarity was not the word that I wanted. I wanted the word communication. I mean, nope. It's another C word. It's curiosity. <laughs> All right. So it, curiosity allows you to keep engaging in the conversation without the need to know what it is that's going on, um, assign a certain uh, judgment or perspective to the other person. It allows you to just find out where it is that um, – where they're coming from, right? So curiosity is essential to kind of completing that that package there. First is getting yourself clear. We talk about that a lot on this show. First is getting that yourself clear. Then is being able to um, actually uh, stay in that place of accepting, you know, accepting a spectrum of behavior and then um, being 
curious about what's going to come next rather than um, starting to assign some sort of meaning to it. Okay. So one of the things that, um, you know, compassionate communication is often um, called uh, nonviolent communication. So um, they're not necessarily synonymous, but when talking about compassionate communication, it's possible to reference nonviolent communication, uh, which was created by Marshall Rosenberg. And um, I want to talk about some of the steps of this because they are so helpful in um, navigating these difficult situations. So one of the first things that we need to do, um, and you'll see how this relates to what I was saying before, but um, you want to differentiate an observation from an evaluation, right? So an observation is a, a report of the data, what's actually happening. You walked in the room, you put down the book, right? That's, that's, um, an observation. An evaluation would be when you angrily walked down, walked into the room and, and threw down the book, right? Now I'm evaluating. I don't actually know if the, say the hasty movements were the result of um, anger. That's my assumption. It's fine for me to have that assumption, but as soon as I start to put it out there as a fact, that's where then um, we start debating about whether or not that's a fact or not. Well, I'm not really angry, right? Um, well, you seem angry to me. Right? So you see how that gets nowhere? You can go back and forth about whether or not someone's angry, yet you haven't gotten anywhere anywhere close to the problem so that you're able to resolve it. Another thing that is really important in this observation versus evaluation is that um, it it builds trust, right? Um, And even being clear about when you're evaluating something, like in my perception, you know, from my perspective, this is what it felt like to me. This is what it seemed like to me. Provided you're actually saying that as a, I'm recognizing that this is my own evaluation of the situation, right? Provided you're saying it that way and you're not um, actually saying, well, this is what's true and I'm just using the word I feel, right? So that's an important distinction right there because people often do that. They'll, you know, say I feel, but they'll, um, uh, you know, or this is the way I see it or whatever, but they're actually putting it forward like a fact. Right? So when you are willing to say this is what I'm perceiving and here's the data and the immediately it's like the data can be agreed upon, right? The fact is, is that you did walk into the room right? Chances are we agree on that. I mean, it's possible that that wouldn't happen, but chances are, right? And you put the book down, right? We know that the book went from your hand to the table, for example. Um, and so immediately what you've done here is instead of creating some kind of uh, argument about um, a 
an evaluation, right, which can't actually be proven. Um, you've come to an agreement on facts of the situation, right? So that builds, that begins to build a bridge. Um, it begins to build trust because when a person is able to give the facts of a, situ- of a situation without a lot of their own personal bias, um, they, uh, they seem more trustworthy. Oh, there's someone who can put their biases aside and, and just say, you know, the facts. Um, and it also shows a degree of, um, of uh, capability um, in, you know, being able to separate the, you know, the evaluations or the judgments from the facts, which is also helps a person feel a little bit more um, trustworthy. So um, I'm just going to give you one more example of this. Um, because I, I, I want to make sure that it's really clear. So it's differentiating between ob- um, observations and evaluations. Or it's a difference between facts and judgments. And the example I gave was, you know, someone walking in the room and putting down a book. Or somebody say storming in the room and throwing down a book um and so you want to be careful here because there's there's some things that you can say well you 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 know you might be able to say well you when you quickly walked into the room but that's an assessment right um the person might say that's not quick for me um, so you, you want to be able to say it as clearly as possible, as directly as possible. And notice when there's a desire to throw in an evaluation of the behavior because this will tell you a lot about yourself. So as you start to watch this, why is it it's so important that that particular evaluation of mine is one that um, – I feel so uh, what I feel is so important. So um, differentiating between observing and evaluation is an incredibly important skill for being able to um, you know communicate well in situations. It's kind of the starting point. And like I said, it begins to build that bridge between you and the other person. Very similar to that is differentiating between feeling and thinking, right? So um, being able to identify and express your feelings in a way that does not imply judgment or criticism or blame or punishment. Now, this is this this languaging, this, these differentiations, right, comes directly from nonviolent communication. Right? This is the way that he set it up to clarify how to make these adjustments. But in differentiating from feeling from thinking, it's once again, it's just like how you feel is yours, right? 
you've ever done any therapy or personal growth work, you know, it's just like nobody can tell you how to feel. You, what you feel is never wrong. All of those different things that um, messages that come across. Um, but we need to start to learn when we're saying, you know, I was feeling like you were really angry at me, you know, and I think you're angry because, you know, uh, you had a bad day and you're taking it out on me. Right? That would be my thinking about the situation. And see how I came up with a story? In the absence of information, this is what we always do. We come up with stories. We are story makers, which is a really fantastic and wonderful thing about how people are. And it becomes a liability at certain points in time. And specifically, it can become a liability when we're working in, um, you know, we're interacting with another person and we don't get data and we fill it in with a story. Usually that story is one from our past. Uh, frequently people wind up um, using their fears to fill in the blank, um, which is another whole skill to learn how not to use your fears to fill in the blank. But this... Um, this filling in the blank is often done with uh, judgment or criticism or blame, right? It's like, you always do that to me. You always leave the dishes undone, you know? Th those kind of things, it's just are are. Uh, critical or judgmental and you know as you can see I was also using absolutes in there and absolutes can be very challenging for people that's actually one of my language things I, I use absolutes very often and I have to be careful sometimes because it, it can be really challenging for people because we know that pretty much and uh, pretty much nothing happens all the time or not all the time you know, so so there's a, a degree of falsehood to it, right? And and that once again then becomes another point of derision between you and another person potentially. Um. So let's see here. Um, I think that um, we will take a little break here and I'll come back and talk to you a bit more about differentiating feelings from thinking and, um, you know, how we can apply that in our communications. So just uh, a second. We'll be back after a commercial break. We all want to be happier, more fulfilled, more successful. But the question is how? Dr. Kate Siner provides programs and mentoring that give you the real-life tools to get the results you wish to see. Her personally tailored services combine almost two decades of work with the grit and compassion that can only come from a life fully and passionately lived. Get the support you need to continue on your path of positive change. To learn more, visit www.kateseiner.com. Are you craving positive change in an area of your life? 
streaming of work that is meaningful or relationships that are authentic and connected. Internationally recognized author and facilitator, Dr. Kate Siner, is a compassionate and fearless advocate for positive change. Through personally tailored programs and masterful mentoring, Dr. Kate's genius lies in helping you get connected to your true self so you can make a difference in the world starting with you. Visit www.katesiner.com. Have you ever wondered why some people seem to sail ahead and others get stuck? The secret is in your mindset. Join author and educator Dr. Kate Siner for a one-hour live webinar on the miracle of mindset, May 15th at 7 p.m. Eastern. On this webinar, she will give you three keys to mindset that will help you stay on track if you run or want to run your own business. Join Dr. Kate Siner for the free webinar, Miracle of Mindset, at 7 p.m. Eastern. For more information or to sign up, go to katesiner.com forward slash miracle dash of dash mindset dash the number two. This is Dr. Kate Siner. This is Real Answers. And uh, we're talking about compassionate communication. And specifically, I'm talking about some of uh, Marshall Rosenberg's teachings on nonviolent communication. I think he has some wonderful points uh, that are really helpful to us as we're kind of figuring out how to navigate um, these difficult conversations. So... I was talking before the break about differentiating feeling from thinking, right? So um, being able to express how we feel without saying it in a way that is going to judge or blame or criticize the other person. So um, an example of that would be, you make me so angry when you forget to call me to remind me that you're going to be late, right? Um, while that might not sound so horrible, um, because I did uh, communicate a very clear um, behavior that um, I didn't like, right? There's actually a difference between saying, you make me so angry and I get or I feel so angry. Right? So when I'm saying I feel or I get, I'm taking responsibility for what's going on with me. And that's really huge because it can be hard to hear that you've upset someone, that they're sad, that they're angry. It's, it can be hard to hear that kind of stuff. And, um, and when it's put that, like, you did this to me, it becomes even harder to hear it. In addition, it's not actually completely true because really our reaction is our responsibility. For example, a completely different person might not get angry at all, right? They might not have a problem with it. 
So that says that it's not necessarily the behavior that dictates the emotion, but rather the person themselves and how they experience the behavior. So you take ownership for your experience, your emotions that come with that experience so that you are not being a victim and you are not blaming another person for doing something to your world. Um, Not only is this important in the communication part, but it's also important for our own development. As we start to get clear about, you know, our choices to have certain emotions, and I say that very deliberately, I know sometimes it doesn't feel like a choice. It certainly doesn't feel like a choice sometimes for me. But our choices to have certain emotions um, are, are just that. You know, we, we can choose to respond a different way to things. And um, we can either do that through understanding why we're responding that way in the first place. Or we can, um, we can do that through just saying, you know, I'm not going to choose to have that bother me anymore. It can actually be as simple as that. But it becomes from an awareness that we are actually in charge of our emotions. And once again, versus that story about what the person's behavior means that then results in an emotional reaction. Okay. So that's a a really um, pretty... Um, pretty important. Those two are very important. The differentiating, observing from evaluation and differentiating feeling from thinking. Two super important skills. Okay, so the next one is understanding um, you know, the core needs that are not being met. Um, in relationship to what's feeling or how we're feeling about it, right? So what we're getting at there, and this is where it really becomes, I think, almost a therapeutic tool, is that what we're getting at is our, um, you know, our, our underlying desire, right? It's just like, for example, if you know, you not calling to tell me that you're going to be late. Um, actually what that does is that really, you know, I have a need for like feeling safety, right? And that for some reason threatens my feeling of safety. Then if I communicate that it might be an easier point to relate on. It might also be, and not necessarily, but it might also be something that, you know, you're willing to do. Oh, I get it. Okay. And not only that, we can find solutions that are outside of um, the problem, how it appears. So in other words, if we're solving the problem, not calling um, when running late, that is totally different problem than solving the problem around of that behavior resulting in my not feeling safe, right? 
my need to feel safe might be resolved a totally different way. And so when I know that, I can create a strategy to really meet that need. And so what that does is, you know, you ever, you ever feel like you're fighting about something and you can't get to a resolution, you fight about it like again and again, and no matter what you do, it just doesn't resolve somehow? Well, that is um, sometimes because there's an underlying need that hasn't been addressed. And when you get at that, you're then able to find a different type of um, understanding, not only that, but you're actually growing. You're developing your intimacy through doing this. And I don't care whether it's someone at work or your partner or whatever. That kind of dialogue really um, helps us understand each other, understands the motive. You know, instead of bouncing off of each other, ah, oh, you know, you get angry when I'm late and that just makes me so frustrated and, you know, and then I'm all tense when I come in and, you know, and back and forth, well, you know, you don't care about how I feel and, you know, you know, these conversations that happen, that there's not, there's no resolution that's happening and, and both parties are getting more and more hurt, Right. It's impossible to assume that in a conflict situation where people are disagreeing with each other that both parties are not hurt, right? It's easy to pretend that that's true and to want to believe that that's true, but it's it's not true. Even if people aren't aware of their feelings, um, you know, our reactions come from that perception that we've been hurt. So when you understand kind of what the deeper need is of a person, it, it, it softens you a little bit, you know, if you choose. Because you're able to go, oh, okay, I get it. Right? It's not about this little thing. You know, because uh, the thing that I perceive is little, right? It's not about this little thing. It's a, it's a, it's about this deeper need. And sometimes if you address, and I've talked about this in different ways, but sometimes if you address that deeper need in another, um, you know, in another way in your life, then it can actually take care of it in that situation that is a con- in, in conflict. Right? So by connecting with our deeper human needs, um, we're able to then facilitate, right, facilitate the communication. And, and that's a back and forth thing. Both people should be aware of what their needs are. Maybe the person late, their need is to really feel free, right, or, you know, um, relaxed, and, you know, and the idea, it's like because of their whatever, the idea of making that phone call or rushing home feels then like a really strong burden. And once again, to someone else, that might not at all. So then by understanding that there's this need for freedom, it could be addressed in a different way. Or you might be able to come up with creative solutions to the problem. But in general, 
if you look at what's happening with these kind of ways of of communicating Educator, Dr. Kate Siner wants to help you connect with your purpose and passion. With 18 years in the field of personal development, a PhD in psychology, and plenty of real-life experience from the School of Hard Knocks, Dr. Kate will inspire you not just to change your life, but the world for the better. Her mentoring and programs provide effective tools and tailored support that meets you where you are and grows as you do. For more information, visit www.katesigner.com. Are you craving positive change in an area of your life? Dreaming of work that is meaningful or relationships that are authentic and connected? Internationally recognized author and facilitator, Dr. Kate Siner, is a compassionate and fearless advocate for positive change. Through personally tailored programs and masterful mentoring, Dr. Kate's genius lies in helping you get connected to your core so you can make a difference in the world starting with yourself. Visit www.katesiner.com. That's K-A-T-E-S-I-N-E-R.com. Be the change you wish to see is a phrase that gets said a lot, but the question is how? Dr. Kate Siner provides programs and mentoring that give you the real-life tools to make the changes you wish to see. Her personally tailored services combine almost two decades of work with the grit and compassion that can only come from a life fully and passionately lived that support you on your path of positive change. To learn more and get started, visit www.katesigner.com. We all want to be happier, more fulfilled, more successful. But the question is how? Dr. Kate Siner provides programs and mentoring that give you the real-life tools to get the results you wish to see. Her personally tailored services combine almost two decades of work with the grit and compassion that can only come from a life fully and passionately lived. Get the support you need to continue on your path of positive change. To learn more, visit www.katesiner.com. Are you craving positive change in an area of your life? Dreaming of work that is meaningful or relationships that are authentic and connected. Internationally recognized author and facilitator, Dr. Kate Siner, is a compassionate and fearless advocate for positive change. Through personally tailored programs and masterful mentoring, Dr. Kate's genius lies in helping you get connected to your true self so you can make a difference in the world starting with you. Visit www.katesiner.com. Have you ever wondered why some people seem to sail ahead and others get stuck? The secret is in your mindset. Join author and educator Dr. Kate Siner for a one-hour live webinar on the miracle of mindset 
May 15th at 7 p.m. Eastern. On this webinar, she will give you three keys to mindset that will help you stay on track if you run or want to run your own business. Join Dr. Kate Siner for the free webinar, Miracle of Mindset, at 7 p.m. Eastern. For more information or to sign up, go to katesiner.com forward slash miracle dash of dash mindset dash the number two. This is Dr. Kate Siner, and this is Real Answers. And um, just before we went to break, I was talking about um, connecting with the universal human needs um, or values and how that can be used to um, connect people. And I was also talking about how each one of these things that I've talked about so far um, whether it's that connection to um, the needs or being able to differentiate between observation and evaluation or from feeling and thinking, all of these, what they do is they help us kind of weave together, weave together what it is that, um, you know, weave together our um, points of view, um, you know, how we're feeling. They help uh, connect us versus push us further and further apart. Um, if you've ever tried to move towards resolution in a conversation, a difficult conversation, and um, you had someone say something all of a sudden that felt really offensive um, one of the things that can happen at that moment is it's just like all of a sudden doesn't it feel like there's like an explosion in the communication and it's just like you know there's the the shock and the disbelief and the victimhood I can't believe that that happened that that person would say that to me and all of those things that we do Right, as we, and then at that point in time, we react, right? And usually that reaction does the same thing to the other person. And before you know it, you're like, you, you're not only mad about the situation or sad about the situation, but then you are also upset about the way that it was handled and what's going on. So you're kind of layering problem on problem. And, and you know, the more that that happens, the more that we feel that separation, especially when it's someone that we want to be in good relationship with, the more that we feel that separation, usually the more that that activates our stuff and once again pushes us away. So this on the other hand is almost like it's almost soothing us um, and, and giving the um, – and, and helping to to reconnect and without there being a loss on either person's side this is such a huge thing because it's not about just making nice and it's not about one person subjugating themselves to another person to keep the peace 
It's about both people being able to have their perspective and their experience and being able to find common ground in that the agreement that those two people have doesn't need to be about how each one of them experiences it. It actually can be on how can we work together? How can we resolve this? Not how can I get you to see this from my point of view? Clearly, I'm right. People should never be late and not call, right? That would be, that would be, and you should know that. And if you don't know that, right, then there's something wrong with you, right? That's what's implied in a lot of our, our communications. And instead, it's like, oh, okay, you have a different experience. In your experience, not calling is just is natural. It's an extension of, you know, you just being able to enjoy yourself or feel more free. And um, and for me, it brings up issues of lack of safety. Right, and I get to have that experience too. So with these two experiences living side by side without one needing to be correct, then we can go and do the real work of relationship, which is not coming into agreement about which reality is true, but instead it's finding ways to then come together and navigate to create a positive outcome. And this is where intention is so key, right? We need to know why we're showing up to the, to the relationship. What's most important to us? You know, we need to know that we're willing to make to reconnect or create a positive outcome. Right? Because if, if you've ever had the experience of someone who's not willing to create a positive outcome while you're trying to create a positive outcome, you know that it's uh, it's a very difficult task. <laughs> um, and it definitely uses um, your communication skills to, to stay on track. So, you know, we, we both need to. This, this relies on parties being willing to move into that place of having a positive intention with each other. Even if it takes time to get there. You know, one of the greatest things you can do to help resolve conflict is allow a person space to kind of get themselves to a clearer space. And if they can't do that, be gracious enough to understand that they're not in a good space. You know, that that's not what they think. That's not what they feel, you know, except in that moment. And that takes a lot. That takes a lot of work on our part to do that. But it's a wonderful gift to give. And um, it is one that is also very beneficial for us because when we don't escalate, uh, it also usually means that we get hurt less. So, um, and then the, the final part of this is about, um, requesting what we would like, um, in, in a way that is, is clear, right? So we, and we want to state 
what we want rather than what we don't want. Right. So first of all, this needs to be a request and not a demand. Right. A demand, you know, as far as nonviolent communication goes, a demand is saying, you know, this is what it's like an ultimatum. This is what needs to happen. And a request, the reason it's a request, once again, you can always use language to try and cover up your real motives. But the reason it's a request is because you know full well that the person might not be willing to say yes to it. Saying this is what I'd like does not mean that the other person needs to do it. It just means now they know what you'd like and they might say, "Mm, actually, no, I'm not willing to or I can't. And, and then maybe you look for another option. What else might work? It's another key in there. Looking for new options, not stopping and just saying, oh, well, that's what I want. And, you know, you won't give it to me. So I guess we're done here. Right? It's like, no, we need to find a way to make this work. So um, requesting what we would like in a way that clearly and specifically states what we want. There's another really important part in this. You have to know what you want. It's not enough just to know that you don't like the way another person is behaving or, you know, you feel a certain way when, you know, another person acts a certain way. It's you actually need to know what you want instead that's the beginning of real change you know first like i say awareness you know you see the situation right you see the situation that you don't want and then it's like you need to be able to see the situation that you do want in order to make the shift if you can't get clear on what you want instead You have to look at yourself and say, is there a deeper need that's not being met that I'm not addressing? Right? Or is my intention so negative that I'm not willing to find something that would resolve this situation? Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we're put in situations where we uh, didn't expect to be there. And we've never been there before. And so you could say, well, what's, what, what do we need to do here? What's the request? What's the behavior? What, what could, you know, a lot of times this comes in the form of what would make things right. And you know, at those point in time, what I would suggest is that you give yourself time to think, but that you really do the hard work of figuring out what it is. What is it that I really need to make this right? Because we can hold on for a really long time and feel justified, especially if, you know, someone's done something that is frequently defined as wrong, hurtful, we can feel really justified holding on to that. And uh, and when we do, you know, there's a, there's a certain type of pleasure that we can get from that. 
you know, sort of like sticking it to someone pleasure. Um, and so we need to look at that and say, is that really in our highest and best good? Is that really going to support us in getting what we ultimately want from our life, from our experience of this other person? You know, and, and the answer is no, it's really not. It might be an important phase, though. Sometimes when um, there's been a really deep hurt, um, being angry for a while is like a, an important phase of the process. But if we want to be lighter and happier, if we want to connect more with people, if we want to create more of what we want, it's really important that we're willing to put down, you know, the the grievances that we've chosen to carry that other people have done to us, right? It's really important that um, we're able to then turn around and say, if if you know, something needs to be changed to turn around and say, hey, look, I think this might, this might help. Right. And it also doesn't need to be, I mean, it needs to be reasonable as in the person needs to be able to do it. In other words, you know, I'm trying to think of something that's totally unreasonable. You know, I need you to, you know, swim across the ocean or something like that it's not reasonable and so you know if you make the request the person can't do it um but it also doesn't need to be something that it's like uh like i'm trying to say like a request to make a phone call like the the situation that i was giving you earlier or as as we've been talking so um, the request to make the phone call, you know, could be seen as unreasonable. Say there are certain circumstances um, that make it kind of unreasonable, but it doesn't. That doesn't matter, right? That kind of situation. That that isn't. It's like it's not about coming up with something that's like the right answer. It's about coming up with something that will actually help you feel better. And you need to explore your motivations and what's going on and all of that kind of stuff to understand why so you can grow and learn. But when you make a request, you make the request of another person. If you say, make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for a week and that person says, okay, I mean, while it might not be connected, it may be connected to the underlying need. Right? And, and, it's like so part of it is recognizing that you can get you can ask for things and you can get your needs met right that's another thing that is really helpful in this because that helps grow up our child self so in requesting that kind of information requesting um, something that is going to um help right clearly it specifically states what we want i want you to call me when you're going to be late that's clear and specific right um by stating that 
then the other person is then able to fulfill on that. And that's, that's naturally unifying. If that person says yes, and if you're the person saying yes, it's really important that you mean that and you're going to do it. And if you can't do it, then to say that up front because that's a way of building trust. No, I'm sorry. I can't do that. If you want to give reasons, here, here is why. This is what I would be willing to do instead, right? Or can we come up with something else? Things like that. That kind of help um, resolve the situation. So you are moving right to what will help resolve this situation, not whose reality is right, not, um, you know, I did that. No, you did that. Not, you know, all the things that start to tear us apart. These are the things that start to bring us together and really self help us build towards resolution. If you're upset about that, what's going to make it right? See how practical that is? If you're upset about that, what can you do about it? How can you own it, take responsibility for it? What can you do about it? And can you ask for help or support along the way? knowing that sometimes you'll get it and sometimes you won't be able to get it, but you can ask, right? Feel how clear that is? Feel how, you know, just solid that is? So um, at our core, compassionate communication helps uh, separate us from our interpretations, right? And it gives us the freedom to express ourselves and at the same time gives the other person freedom to express themselves and have their truth. And it helps move us towards resolution. It helps move us towards connection. And so um, my intent in sharing this with you today is to really give you some insights from, you know, uh, Rosenberg's work, Rosenthal. Rosenberg's work um, to help you figure out how to uh, communicate when things get more challenging. So if you spend a little time working on each one of these components, it'll really help you um, in your communications with other people at all times not even just in conflict situations. So I want to thank you for joining me today. It's been really great to have you with me, and I will talk to you next week on Real Answers. You've been listening to Real Answers with your host, Dr. Kate Siner. Her purpose is to inspire you to create positive change inside and out. Visit Dr. Kate on her website at www.katesiner.com with Dr. Kate and see how she can help.